Welcome to the Self-Care Goddess Podcast, brought to you by me, Rita Savoya, founder of Savoya Self-Care Holistic Wellness. I'm a certified nutritionist and a holistic wellness coach for midlife women who want to rediscover their happier, sexier selves naturally without pills or side effects so that they can thrive as they age. I'm also the creator of the Savoya Self-Care Method, empowering women to nurture heart, mind, and body for transformative results. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to help millions of midlife women become their own health heroes. As a woman entrepreneur and a caregiver to aging parents, I fully understand the many responsibilities and generally stressful times women are living through these days, often suffering in silence, misunderstood, and putting themselves last. That's why each week I will be here for you, guiding you on your personal wellness journey, sharing expert advice from thought leaders on natural, practical, and simple solutions to help you thrive during the midlife transition. Get ready to listen to inspiring conversations about all things wellness, nutrition, mindset, mental health, fasting, hormones, menstrual cycle awareness and sinking, ancient healing strategies like meditation, mindfulness and breath work and spirituality. Every month, I will also be featuring a small to medium sized business to help spread the word on the amazing work they're doing so we can support them. And now without further ado, let's get ready to rumble. Happy listening. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Care Goddess Podcast. So before we dive into this amazing topic that I'm really, really interested in myself and with a really special guest, let's settle into the space and give yourself these three minutes to just tune out the outer world and really go within by noticing your breath. If you are, if you can, and are not driving or operating heavy machinery, I invite you to lower your gaze or even close your eyes to really tune out the outer world. And notice your breath flowing in through your body and out. Really breathing deep into the diaphragm, allowing the diaphragm to expand. And come back towards the spine on the exhales. And now I invite you to focus your attention in the area of the heart and start breathing into this heart area, this beautiful organ that's keeping us alive. Breathing deeply into the diaphragm as well as flowing the air into our heart. And as you continue this heart-focused breathing, I invite you to visualize someone that you're grateful for. Living or past, it can also be a pet. Visualize them as if they were right here in front of you and just send them all the love, the gratitude, and the appreciation for them being in your life. Lovely. Take a nice deep breath in through the nose. And exhale, slowly open your eyes, come back to us. 
Thank you. All right. So today I have the honor to introduce to you Ollie Wood. Ollie got started in the business world after seven years as an independent personal trainer. As he started um, on online, he rapidly built a company to over 15 staff in his mid-20s, helping thousands of clients upgrade their body, energy, and productivity through a four-step system he has agreed to share with us today. So I'm excited about that. His unique perspective of both running a multi-seven-figure um, company and understanding the behavioral nuances of what truly makes health habits stick. Yes, I can't wait to get into that. After working with thousands of clients has allowed him to create his own category in the health market of working with busy professionals that I want to share with you today. Ollie has committed the last decade of his life to the de- development of his body reset program alongside world-class coaches that has now impacted thousands of clients from around the world. Ollie is a health expert with a deep background in business and health coaching with a deep background in gut health as well. My favorite, (laughs) biomechanics, leadership, mindfulness, and nutrition. Wow, wow, what a pleasure. Thank you for joining myself and my community today. How are you? Really good to be on, Rita. Thank you. And uh, thanks for the meditation as we come into it. Uh, Really, really cool experience that I haven't had to start a podcast before. Certainly, gets you in a space of focus, but also, you know, you that tendency to start breathing through your chest and start, uh, you know, changing your state, being mindful of that coming into something like this is really cool, whether you're a listener or just talking. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So tell us your story. I mean, you have a pretty fascinating, you were going online way before the rest of the world <laughs> has gone online. So tell us why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, for me, I started off as, uh, as you mentioned, a personal trainer, <coughs> which was very much focused in the uh, exercise space. I'd come from a background of triathlons and rowing and and weight training was a big part of that. And I started to, you know, I started with a very military style training, right? It was, let's get through these exercises, make sure you're sweating, all of these things. And two or three years into that, it, you know, it wasn't a, a quick process. I started to realize that, you know, clients were coming back, they were getting results in regards to getting stronger and they were being consistent but they weren't dropping the body fat or improving the changes that they wanted to make at the level they wanted to make. And the more we had that conversation around lifestyle, around work stresses, around uh, digestion and nutrition, we started to really uncover the things that allowed them to move forward, right? Training is, of course, a component of strengthening and and stabilizing and shaping the body, but there's so much more around that, uh, you know, as we mentioned today, the breathing and simply the difference between breathing through your mouth all day versus that conscious pause and ability to check in. Massive difference around your energy, your focus, your ability to switch from CEO mode to mum mode or whatever that might be in regards to just checking in with yourself and, and being conscious of how you're reacting to the outside world. So long story short, that very much became a very natural transition for us online because it wasn't simply about pushing you hard in the gym. It was making sure we were taking into account how the body truly focused, how it responded to the outside world, and then building from there. As you can imagine, understanding meditation, understanding nutrition, understanding really this whole lifestyle design was 10 years in every direction. So for me, that became a nice ego check for me in regards to bringing in the best experts I could to really complement my skill set and and really building out a path that allowed the client that worked with us to really have that foundation that was truly integrated, mind, body, digestive, right? We were trying to make sure we're looking at those three. uh, And that's really where we are today. So, you know, working with a full model, making sure that we have those 
complemented experts in one single spot rather than getting a little bit of training advice and not knowing how that applies to nutrition, getting a little bit of breathing work, but not really truly understanding how much immense impact that has on your digestive tract on that has to your training and your ability to bounce back in between sets, that sort of thing. Um, There's so much that overlaps and we just wanted to make sure we brought a platform and and really a conversation that took those three into account. Mm -hmm. And so this is your body reset program that encompasses all of these things with all of these experts, one-stop shop, and it's everything is online. Yeah. Amazing. So what is the fourth step? Yeah, the R4 method we use is essentially our reset, repair, restore, and reinforce. And the goal here is to really make sure that where most people get stuck, and if we're going to look through the lens of uh, trying to drop body fat and trying to improve body composition, the first thing that we do is every PT that's just got their certification is shouting from the rooftop saying it's calories in, calories out, right? And thermodynamics are going to play a role. But when you're in your mid-30s, 40s, 50s, and you're starting to see the shifts, maybe we're really getting to a point of perimenopause and menopause, There's Mm. components where there's an immense amount of hormonal changes. I'm happy to go there if you want to, but to really simplify it down, what most diets are doing is simply looking at the calories in component, right? How can we reduce how much you're eating? So you restrict that process. You can lose weight in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, but what do we do to really maintain this long-term? And that's Mm. when we see a lot of people go through these yo-yos, never find a way to really truly find a stabilized weight that they feel good at. So what we do is really flip that on its head and focus on, well, how can we get a bigger engine? How can we get that metabolism back? How can we get healthy? Like our energy is in a good spot. We're sleeping well again. All of those things that go out the window when we have kids, when we start to see those hormonal shifts, that's really where we want to address first. So reset is very much simplifying the habits that work now. And more importantly, removing the ones that used to work 20 years ago and no longer are relevant, Mm. right? That's a big one. From there, we move into that repair. For us, that's a big deep dive into their blood work, really understanding what's happening below the surface. And when we've already understand understood their lifestyle from the first section, it really gives us a lot of context to then build from there. All right. Once we have that in place, that's where we can really dive into all the beautiful things that are the gut, the mindfulness, the breathing, the ability to progress training in a way that feels like you're making the most of your time, getting strong, improving your energy along the ride as well. All right. So that's really where that restore and reinforce comes in as well. But that initial one and the one I want to really emphasize today is where do we start? I think it's very much flipping on its head the idea that you need to force your body to change. The goal is get yourself healthy, get yourself feeling good. And just focusing on those steps, how you fuel your body, that relationship with your body, you significantly shift the long-term outcome with, you know, what you're moving into. Amazing. Music to my ears. We're totally aligned on so many things because I always like to say, remove the interference and then the body will self-heal. And my own personal story is I actually helped my body heal from blood sugar imbalances and that Mm -hmm. helped me reverse my polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm-hmm. So it's just like the body works in unison. It is not these sort of how conventional medicine looks at it, right? Different parts, but this is how we address the entire body, helping you feel good. And yes, helping you maintain that, that ideal weight. So why is it so hard though? Why is it so hard to, what are people doing wrong? In your opinion, I don't think it's their fault. I think the big thing that we're running into is the self judgment, the self comparison, the what should I do? And I'm looking online, trying to sift through the 99% to find the 1%, right? And then once we've found that, we follow that and we realize we're still one more step to take. What's relevant for our age and stage of life, right? What's being done with a bunch of 20 year olds in their mid, th- in their mid 20s at uni is going to be very different to what's happening as you transition into menopause. So, really, okay. you know, there's so much information out there, sifting through it, trying and experimenting. 
will give you some data. But if you want to fast track that process, typically getting around people that have gone through that process before is kind of a smart way to do it. The big one that we look at there is very much that, I think, if you're really looking at what is my first step, it's really assessing that self-judgment, self-comparison, and then really bringing back to what am I ultimately after? Because if the goal is not to suffer through a six-week challenge to lose five kilos to put 10 back on, right, mm. or 20 pounds, then we need to address that through the space of what are we truly here for. And when you dig a couple of layers deeper, it's not the 10 kilos or the 20 pounds that's blasted over the, the billboards. It's, I want to feel really good in my own skin. I want to be confident mm-hmm. in the clothes I'm wearing. I want to make sure I can do this, that, and the other without feeling like my body's holding me back. And that becomes a very different starting point and ultimately a North Star of where you're heading And you start to look at eating food, not to force a change, but to fuel how you want to feel. And I think that just a whole relationship change around the the issue here is that 99% of people are only ever going to start a health change through a level of pain, right? The problem is they keep that pain going that they never get to a point that it's self-compassion, which means they have to be in pain in order to be motivated. And that's not a particularly nice relationship to try continue long term. Mm, true true so going back to the perimenopausal woman yeah um, obviously there's a lot of hormonal shifts there what do you recommend for for them to do yeah well let's understand what's happening first right the three big ones that i think is really really important to bring up first one is as estrogen drops and this is super interesting because most people especially in the online space i've got estrogen dominance that's why i can't lose weight estrogen decreasing is just as bad. Estrogen is an amazing hormone in the female body, right? But as estrogen starts to drop, we've got a huge amount of shifts that are happening. And one that I want to address is insulin sensitivity is going to lower, right? So the amount of carbohydrates, maybe you had an oats or muesli in the morning, it's probably not going to work quite as well as it used to, right? Going to a full ketogenic, probably a little bit drastic, pretty too far the other way, but the awareness of having carbohydrates as your main source in the morning, you're probably going to find your brain's not functioning the same way. Your energy is not quite as good, right? That's a really big big one to bring up. And that's why we need to go from just accurate, what worked for you when you were 20 versus what now works in your mid 40s, 50s, right? Really good first one. The second one, and especially if you're um, still uh, in in a professional space, you're running a business, that sort of thing, the awareness of uh, as progesterone drops, it's going to have a significant impact on your stress tolerance, right? And this is one mm. that I have a huge, huge obsession with over the last couple of years. The stress is not a level, but it's a threshold, right? So it's this awareness of, well, if these these other external or internal factors impacting that threshold and actually lowering it, we're seeing our body not tolerating stress as well. And we know the cascade of changes at a very chemical level that our body is going to make if we're constantly in a stress state, right? We're going to feel like we hold on to that body fat. We're going to feel like we're not digesting foods. We're certainly not going to sleep very well, right? So a lot of these we can really bring back. Hormones aren't the problem. They're simply a symptom of all these other, let's get our health in the right place first. Right. And then the last one I want to bring up, which is always the overlooked one, which is testosterone becomes a higher ratio of your total testosterone. It's still significantly less than progesterone estrogen, but it's a right. higher ratio of total that's coming through. What does that do? Right. If you look at one of the main differences, you know, uh, overall between male and female, female typically tend to keep a little bit more weight around their legs, males a little bit more around their stomach. If you start to have a little bit of increase in testosterone, you see a lot of women that are starting to see that they've got a belly they've never had before, right? Mm. And that just becomes really a, a shift in where body fat is. Super interesting. So by understanding those three things, that allows us, I think, first and foremost, to really make sure we're working with the new body, the new ultimate biology we're working with now, rather than trying to force what used to work 20 years ago. And I think that's a really, really important first step that I like to address because, again, it's that self 
self-hate that only comes through of like, I need to change. This is what used to work. Why is it not working through more of a compassionate lens of, okay, well, how's it going to work now? And I think that just, you know, start asking better questions, you get better answers. Mm-hmm. So then you would actually provide a meal plan for your clients, right? Like the whole gamut. Totally. But if you're saying, you know, this is slightly controversial, but the idea of just having a meal plan without taking into account how your body is responding, you're missing the entire point, right? Mm. If you're rushing out the door, still worrying about kids or the deadline, trying yeah. to have your fancy salad, your body's not digesting that particularly well, right? So an mm. awareness of actually tuning in, like a beautiful way that you started today's podcast, like breathing, right? Just checking in with you before we start. It's a beautiful way to be more productive at work, to be more present with your kids, to simply digest your food better. Mm, that's so true. I love how you're breathing in, uh, bringing in breathing as well into the into the equation. Also, menstrual cycle awareness. You talk about that, um, yeah, because nobody's talking about that, and it's so important. Yeah, and we tend to work with it, we tend to work with it less because we're typically working with clients as they move into perimenopause and menopause. Okay. But that awareness of knowing the difference between a high hormone and low hormone phase and right. how you push your body or don't super interesting mm-hmm. space, right? Mm-hmm. And that for me. You know, obviously, I'm not, I don't have a, a cycle, <laughs> but this awareness of I'm a huge fan of getting away from the spreadsheet and towards that confidence in your own self-awareness. And certainly for females, when you notice the difference between, okay, this is the phase I'm in right now, I can get my weight training in, or no, I'm noticing why my cravings are higher or my energy is lower. This is where I'm going to transition rather than forcing my body to do the same thing. Yes. That's a really, really cool place to get to. And when we get women in that spot, they're able to push the body or step back based on what their body's actually telling them. And I think when you bring that confidence to actually listening in rather than constantly listening out, you know, the whole world changes. Wow. It's like a mindful workout program, right? It's really bringing mindfulness into the equation. Amazing. So then what are your thoughts on cardio and strength training? Because as we, as we get in, go into the perimenopausal stages, strength training is very, very important, but most women, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of women tend to go towards the cardio. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. So the biggest one that I'll start with is if you start running for fat loss, right? It becomes a really nice activity in the first couple of months. You'll start to see some results because it's a new novel skill that the body's getting used to, right? It's going to burn a little bit more weight. But if you start to run more than you know a month or two, your body's going to notice that you're getting better at running. You're not really dropping more body fat because there's no new stimulus at play unless you continue to work harder and longer you know, we start to get to people doing half marathons and marathons, and they're still 10 kilos overweight because they get to a point that it simply becomes a skill that they're efficient at doing and they get better at running. But that ability to contract new muscles and give the body a reason to change is really not there. Mm. If we start lapping on the range of site from a um, psychological aspect of maybe you're a type A personality, you're kind of tend to be a little bit more rushed or stressed through your day anyway, and then you go add cardio on top for an hour or two, you're just continuing that stress throughout the day, right? And whether it's a physical or a psychological stress, your body's still going to respond to it the same way. It's a cortisol spot, right? Mm -hmm. And if that's high all day and then you just lap on another spin class or, or run or whatever it might be, a lot of times, and I'm not saying all the time, but if that's a space you're not conscious of, that can be more detrimental than helpful. Right. Yeah. So flip that on its head. Let's look at this through weight training. You started the same fat loss journey, but you're looking through the lens of uh, resistance training, contracting some muscles. Initially, you're not going to 
feel that confident. You're going to feel like limbs are moving all over the show. You're not efficient at contracting muscles yet. You're still going to get, still going to get some results. You're still going to see your body change. But as you get better over time, as you get more confident at, at training and moving and contracting, you're actually going to be more effective in that same 20 or 30 minute time frame you have for exercise than you, if you were to run. So if we're looking at it from simply an effective standpoint or even an efficiency of time standpoint, resistance training is going to be more superior. When we look at that through the hormonal changes, the stress and the lifestyle you're likely living, weight training is going to win every time. It mm. very much comes down to if we're looking at through the body composition lens, weight training is what we're looking at. I'm not mm. going to um, completely remove the fact that bringing in cycling, you're running, you know, running, we've got to look at your joints as well. Like if your joints yeah. are screaming at you, listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, that awareness of your mental health around getting the endorphins of going for a run or a mountain bike or yeah. your cardiovascular fitness, which we don't want to leave behind. All right. There's going to be a consideration of all of these. And I'm certainly someone that is pressured by a marketing side to be very like one way, but really understanding through being a health professional for, for over a decade, the answer to everything is it, it depends. It right? depends. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really just what are you, what is truly your goal? Because mm. look, optimizing to lifespan versus health span versus purely performance are three different things. What right. percentage of each one of those are you really working towards? And then we can build out your plan. Where does running mm. come in? Where does weight training come in? And how do you feel doing them? Mm-hmm. And how and sustainability as well, right? In terms yeah. of what's sustainable to you, right? Well, that's another way of putting it, which is why I've leaned into the idea of feeling, right? Because if you set the goal of running three times a week, right? And you want to do that for six months. You might achieve the goal, but you feel more tired, your joints hurt, yeah. maybe the body fat hasn't changed, whatever. You've achieved the goal, but you really haven't achieved the goal, <laughs> right? If you focus on how you feel, which is, I wanted to feel strong, I wanted to feel confident, I want my clothes to feel well, that becomes a strong anchor, but you can navigate and be flexible with your approach. If the running's not doing it, we can move to the swimming or the weight training or whatever that might be in order to achieve what you actually want to feel. Because we're not standing with a, a label of our weight above our head, we simply want to focus on feeling good in our own body. And I think just giving yourself permission to start there is a huge first step. Amazing. So, okay. So let's say um, there's someone listening right now. They're like, all right, let's do this. I want to do a weight training. How, mm -hmm. how would you go about doing that? How many times a week? What's the recovery? Because recovery is super important. That's one thing I've noticed my, uh, with my own workouts. So important. Yep. I kind of want to go every other day, but now yep. I'm really listening and tuning into my body because stress plays a role. Sleep plays a critical role as well. Like if I don't get a good night's sleep and it's my day to go work out, sorry, I'm just not going to do it because I'm not going to be effective and will probably be efficient and it'll actually cause some harm. So I'm really starting, even though I love it and I miss it when I don't do it, but yeah, it's something that I'm really tuning into. So what would be sort of, um, you know, sort of maybe I know it depends on the person and their goals, but in terms of weight training, like, is it every other day or is it still sort of that three times a week or let's yeah, say a yeah. person that only has, um, they don't want to work out every day. So let's say three times a week, what sort of schedule would you give them? Yeah. So first thing I'd always say is how much are you working out now, right? Because if it's zero, I don't want to go to three or five. I want to start uh, with one, right? And good. build up. A right. really, really cool way of looking at this, and we apply this to all forms of exercise and really habits in general, is the reason you can't find time to work out is because you're looking for two hours. Let's start with 10 minutes and you'll find it everywhere, right? Ah, so that yeah. concept, especially where we had so many women who are in a spot that like, I've never touched a dumbbell. I'm never going to be a gym person. I'm like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> and we'll start with one set of 
um, squats to a bench at home, right? And mm. then they start to feel good with that. We add in a lunge or we add in a hip thrust. And then three or four months in, it's totally up to them. We're never pushing people into gyms, but we see a very natural, we probably work, it's very, very 50-50 in regards to whether they work out at home or gym. That's mm. totally up to them. And over time, as they get more confident, they get more momentum, they start to see limitations of equipment. They're like, I want to join a gym. I'm like, fantastic, whatever you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. So it becomes kind of a natural progression. It depends on where you live and all of those things as well. And we've got some amazing home gyms people have built out. But simply that awareness of tuning into contracting muscles, playing it at your own pace, starting with one or two sets and just building from there, right? Mm-hmm. And just giving yourself permission to like, if you feel really crappy after two sets, finish it up, do it tomorrow, right? Yeah. If you do two and you want to do more, do more, right? And it just mm-hmm. gives you that permission back of like, I actually feel really good doing this. Great, do more of it. And I think that's at the very simple level allows you to work with the psychology that's going to work long term, which is you're going to continue to do things you enjoy and do less of the things you don't, right? Mm -hmm. So if it is a challenge and a forceful experience, it's not really something that's going to lock in long term. You want to challenge your body in regards to like pushing to new levels, but that wants to come from a pursuit of I'm I'm seeing that as a I'm doing that and I'm choosing my challenge rather than it's being forced upon me. Huge difference in how your body tolerates that stress and where you move to from there. The second part to what you said around recovery is it's very, really overtraining. It's under recovery that's the issue. So addressing nutrition, your state, your ability to breathe, your ability to um, be aware of how you conduct that day to benefit you or just don't burn yourself out needs to be your focus before you then add in training. So for any of our clients, we don't start looking at training until two to three, maybe four weeks in because we need wow. to set some foundation first. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. I love that. So what about someone that wants to progress their, um, they're already working out like three, four, five times a week and wants to progress? What sort of advice would you give that person? Yeah, um, it depends. Um, the big one I'd be looking at here is there's a five-step process that we'd go through if you're stuck in some form of plateau, right? So we need to first look at it through the lens of the stress and This is a super interesting topic because it's not a case of my conversation is not always reduce stress or remove stress. It's a case of how are you tolerating stress? Mm Because it may be very, uh, very much you used to be able to manage what you're managing and now it's just not working like it used to, right? So that becomes a super interesting conversation. There are things we can do to reduce stress. That's where the breathing, the yoga, et cetera, all come in. Fantastic options to bring in. Or we can look at, as we mentioned, that choosing a challenge. What's the thing that you want to do that allows you to feel like you're alert in your day? A classic example is the cold shower or the weight training Mm -hmm. session or something there that really makes you feel like you're choosing your challenge. And in comparison, the rest of your day feels easier, right? Mm -hmm. Really, really cool way to look at stress a little bit differently. And for me personally, has been a beautiful way to recalibrate my motivations behind why I exercise, right? Mm -hmm. This awareness of I exercise because of my mental health and then it you know, I get the benefits of my physical as well. And it just becomes a beautiful way to choose that challenge in my day to allow other things to feel less stressful, right? A lot of science behind it as well, but I just really like that model. Then we're going to look through the lens of uh, gut health and toxicity, getting an awareness of in a very real way, if you're eating foods that are causing you to feel bloated, inflamed, et cetera, that's another stressor on the body, right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And then one more that I'll highlight out of the five is sleep, right? We all miss that one. We think about what percentage is nutrition and training, but we don't talk about sleep first, which is where we should start before that equation even matters, right? Yes. So that's a huge area that we dive into, certainly with high performers that can't slow down, right? That awareness of setting up a routine to really be productive tomorrow becomes a really sh- big shift in their long-term psychology around what performance really is, because it's not about performing really well once. It's about how can we do that continually? Right, exactly. Wow, this is beautiful. Really nice. I um, I really resonate with so much what, of what you're saying. What about fasting? What are your thoughts on fasting? Because I actually fast. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I also work out on a, in a fastest state. And just recently, I've been coming home because I was actually still fasting. And then I would break my, break my fast like five, not, not five, maybe like two hours after my workout. But what are your thoughts on that on like, replenishing your body right after you work out? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's one of those things that as you move into, again, if we're looking at this perimenopause, menopause space, um, it becomes more and more important to look at refeeding or refueling the body post. I think it's certainly a space that that window becomes smaller. And eating between 30 to 45 minutes post is certainly something that I would recommend. Total protein intake is something that we really emphasize with our with our women especially is everybody's under eating, right? There's just very Mm -hmm. little there. We're overeating on the carbohydrates, which again, maybe it's easy to store body fat, but we just feel hungry all the time. There's a disruption of hormones, not to mention maybe all of the other cascades I could get into there, but just an awareness of hitting a certain protein intake would be my first goal a a lot of the time. And if you're only having that in one meal, it can be very, very hard to eat your protein intake for the day, right? So Mm. if we're looking into three or four meals, that becomes quite challenging to fit into a six-hour window, for example. So me, other than using the the word, it depends, it would simply be uh, to what degree is it helping (coughs) you and then to what degree is it uh, now becoming something you can't, can't control, right? So what I mean by that is, if you get to an end of a fast and you need to uh, demolish everything in front of you, you've probably done it too long, right? right. You want to bring it yeah. to a level of, okay, I feel better now. I've fasted for six, you know, um, sorry, not six, like 10, 12, 14 hours, and that's enough. If it then becomes a pursuit of like, how long can I push it? And then I have to eat everything. That's where it's no longer beneficial, right? So yeah, I, anywhere between the 10 to 14 hours, most people were doing the idea of fasting everyone is doing it it's really just a case of what degree how many hours becomes then beneficial for you uh, it's not at the diet or a, an eating plan as such it's simply an eating window that allow, then allows you to bring in your food methodology on top of mm, okay got it all right so i'll still keep doing it but i will have my post-workout uh, protein so what are your thoughts on protein animal versus plant-based i'm curious Fun. Um, not <laughs> sure where you land here, so I'll um, just go with my version. <laughs> um, you know, I think it can be done. We personally, um, we, we have so many clients applying to work with us every month. The the goal with with who we work with, we do ask if there's some meat included in their plan, simply because we've seen after working with enough clients that it's simply a lot more challenging. It can be done. We're simply not the ones that optimize in that space. There's plenty of coaches that focus on plant-based. We don't do it. Um, there's a couple of considerations that we take into account. First one, uh, as we get older, our protein requirements increase, right? So that ability to hit a level of protein synthesis, rebuilding muscle tissue, and simply creating a balance between that breakdown versus building is something that we need to consider. So looking at increasing protein is helpful. Um, when we see a decrease in 
our use of carbohydrates or at least our ability to utilize them. Uh, the one thing that we look at is if we're trying to increase protein and if we're just doing that through a plant-based source, all protein sources pretty well are going to be protein and carbs, right? Various all meat sources are protein and fats. So it becomes much easier for us to hit a protein target without taking our carbohydrates through the roof. And then the last one, which again um, is so debatable, I'm not going to dive into it, but this awareness of having more bioavailable protein sources, right? The ability to actually utilize them, uh, uptake them, mm. have a complete source of amino acids. Again, you can get a complete source if you are very right. aware of what they are in pairing, et cetera. Um, right. But those are just our three considerations. And we want to make sure it's as easy as possible for our clients to get results. That's generally just where we sit. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Not fair point, fair point. So what is, is there an average of protein um, that we should be consuming as women or? Yeah. Again, it, 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 I'm going to say it so many times, it depends, but it's really that awareness of uh, where is our training, where is our recovery, what's our lifestyle, et cetera. Uh, but we're going to actually, we tend to sit on the higher end of this, certainly initially, if we're going through changes, there's a lot of muscle breakdown, a lot of stress, et cetera. We're going to sit anywhere from about 1.8 to 2 grams per kilo of body weight. Obviously, we'll do an adjustment into pounds if needed, but that uh, it becomes a really nice place for us to start. So we're really hitting a strong mm. protein amount. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's actually what we studied in nutrition school as well. Yep. And you're right, I was I was under eating it for sure, and really freaked me out. How much protein? Because I'm actually plant based, but I'm yep. I eat fish, so it's a lot easier okay. for me to to have. And you're that. getting the omega threes and everything else that can sometimes be, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, amazing. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about the gut, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, our this amazing connection between the gut brain. And so that's why I love how you brought this in. What are yeah. you doing in terms of the gut? So much. Um, the the really, uh, the, the gut is obviously a super interesting space. It's constantly research. We don't know everything mm-hmm. about the microbiome, but an understanding of how much it responds to the outside world, again, is just very tied into our theme of getting our body to respond to the outside world in a way that our body doesn't hold us back. So without diving into the exact bacterial makeup and you know we certainly go there around certain foods that are going to increase or decrease that diversity the one that really becomes more controllable and something that we can be more aware of on a day-to-day level is understanding that these stresses are going to have an impact on the gut right what we're looking through is psychological stress we're looking through physical stress and of course digestive stress so the first one with psychological stress is going to be you know, if you think of the antelope and they see us, they see stress in in the wild. They get out of that place really quickly, but then the, you look at them five minutes later and they're back to grazing, right? Like it's just a quick response. They don't think about it any longer, and they go back to what they were doing. If you had a lion walk into your office, you'd be very stressed, and you'd probably continue to be stressed for the rest of the day. How did it get there? What am I going to do, etc. Right? It's this. We think we're smart, <laughs> and we just hold on to stress all day. And it's a space that we're getting into that humans are not designed or really any animal is not designed to be stressed chronically for long periods of time. And it's causing an immense amount of breakdown of muscle tissue, brain cells, so much there going on where if cortisol is high for long periods of time, that's certainly going to have an impact on the gut as well. We simply can't digest foods well. So localizing it to simply around meals, such as what are you eating when you uh, how are you? What's your state when you're eating? That mm. has a significant impact, right? So, like we started today's podcast, those three to five deep breaths before having a meal, drastic impact on mm. you paying attention to your state when eating, 
All right. If we look at that through a physical stress, we see this a lot with triathletes and endurance athletes that are starting to train beyond two, three, four hours. Again, physical and psychological stress are going to be applied to the body in the same way. You're now at a high stress state for four plus hours. There's going to be a level of gut upset that comes through, certainly if you're bringing in gels or sugars the whole time that are going to get in the way. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't do the sports, but optimize to how can we rebalance what's happening. Okay. And then the last one, of course, digestive, when we look at it through the gut, what we eat is going to make a a huge difference there. Getting an awareness of what's causing you to feel bloated, inflamed, just generally gassy or tired is a really, really good place to start. And I don't think you need to do every test under the sun to find it. You just need to tune in. How did I feel after that meal? And when you start there, you know, it really gives you quite a good awareness on what's happening. And um, Mandy, our head clinical nutritionist, does a much better job of explaining this to me. But this awareness of as we age, our taste buds change, our tolerances change, and sometimes new sensitivities arise as well. So mm-hmm. foods that used to not be an issue for us now really cause a reaction. And if we're not paying attention and we just do what we used to do, we miss that whole bit. And I think that just becomes, again, another tuning into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so many times I hear that with my mm. clients. Well, I used to be able to eat this and I used to be able to do that. And it's just like, yes, unfortunately... You can't anymore, or at least you have to do it differently, approach it in a different way. So, yep. so it, it, and it's true in terms of um, timing. How, how can some, someone start? What's your advice on that if they have no time? I mean, you know, we all have the same amount of 24 hours, um, but I understand that a lot of people have stuff, a lot of things going on. But what would be your recommendation in terms of? Just start with this. Is it is it the ten minutes? Is that is it that seven minute? What was it? It was a it was huge on Harvard Business Review. The seven minute workout there. Um, yeah. Is it something like that? Start something like that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll give you three main ones. That I think it'd be a really really good thing to tune into. The ten minutes, hundred percent, a really good place to start. It's just ten minutes for you. Um, how you utilize that? If that's a walk, that's a meditation, that's journaling. What can you do for 10 minutes a day for you? I think I heard this from Tony Robbins first, which is if you don't have 10 minutes, you don't have a life. And um, with the most compassionate way to say that, 10 minutes for you, right? How can we create that first? And let's build a habit. The second one that comes through is greens with two meals a day. How can we just start with a little bit more food there where we're not rushing out the door with a, a muesli or a protein bar? We're trying to start with just adding a little bit more greens, right? Super interesting one, but it allows us to just bring a, a little bit of awareness back to food with what is that a minimum of first step. And we've found that to be a really good one. And then the last one is let's look at your water intake. Let's look yeah. at actually just getting a bit more water in. We've got a ratio, again, this is going to be in our metrics around um, 30 mil per kilo of body weight. Uh, there'll be a US and Canadian version of that we can certainly bring up, but that is one we use really, really well to bring an awareness to most people having half the amount of water they need and what that's doing to the brain function, their joints, how they feel on a day-to-day basis. Um, we certainly can look at electrolyte balance to make sure we're really utilizing that, but simply starting with water, again, that gives you three really, really strong ones to look at on a day-to-day basis, looking after you, looking through more of a compassionate lens of how do I feel, and then hopefully everything else we've gone through today builds on top of that, knowing you've got those core habits in place. Yeah, sounds so feasible, so sustainable. You meant greens, right? Not greens, greens. Yeah, greens. Okay. <laughs> And uh, the Canadian measuring system is the same as New Zealand. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. America. I was not just, sure because some of them sometimes. America's use... just on its own. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the ones making it hard for us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But we're the same. Exactly. Okay. So that's amazing advice. Thank you so much. 
So in terms of obviously being a very, very successful entrepreneur, what are sort of three things that you recommend that us high performing entrepreneurs focus on? Honestly, the same things, because at the end of the day, when you look at it yeah. through the reason I really love what I do now, especially now that we've created the business we do, it'd be so easy to be so obsessed on the next rung, the next thing we need to achieve, the whatever. And it's so easy. And I see it all the time because I work with them is you get to a certain level of financial success where you finally go, okay, now I've got to a point I look after my health and I've left it behind 20 years ago, right? Mm, uh, right. Working with a couple of blokes right now that are working to, towards some really big exits. And the really, really cool thing is they're like, okay, well, what do I do on the other side of that exit? Well, I want to have energy to you know, either start the new thing, which always inevitably happens or the golf or just spending more time with the family, that sort of thing. We might start now, right? It's kind of one of those analogies of when was the best time to start to, to plant a tree. The, first, the best time was 10 years ago, the second best time is now. But that ability to look through the space of your best business asset that you have is your ability to show up consistently, right? And right. that's been something that for me has anchored me through so much because it really allows me to know that when the stresses come through, when I've got you know, four podcasts back to back, or I've got all of the calls, all of these things coming through. If I'm just running off caffeine, I'm done. <laughs> if I'm able to create those little anchors, be like, cool, I've got 10 minutes. I'm going to go for a quick walk, or I'm going to make sure I hydrate. I'm going to actually get in a solid meal. So I'm not running off caffeine for the next three days. It really makes a difference. And I think for many business owners, they get to that place eventually, but I'd like you to get to it 20 years earlier. Mm-hmm, for sure. And really you're only like your health is, especially if you're in the um, in a business where you are advocating health. <laughs> yeah. Now it, 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 it's interesting. A lot of my colleagues are not doing the stuff that they're recommending to their clients, and it's just like no, you like, so, and that's why I'm all about self care. It's not selfish. Yeah. It is self love and so needed. Right. It's really taking right. care of yourself. Um, the one for- thing I'll say there as well, which just usually hits us home a little bit. Because uh, I talk to a lot of business communities and wealth building creation sort of coaching spaces. And the biggest one at the end of the day is there's no wealth without health. How are you ever going to enjoy yes. it if you don't have health? And I think it just becomes a strong thing to come back to. Yes, I love that. I love that for sure. So what is um, what is the most common advice that you give your clients? How do you start your day? What's the first 20 minutes look like? If you if you nail the first 20 minutes, it's kind of hard to stuff up the rest. So I think that mm. first 20 minutes, a lot of these anchors we've talked about, the hydration, the walk, I really mm-hmm. would start there. Mm. That first 20 minutes uh, becomes a really nice anchor for us to build on top of. So that would be probably where I start. Mm-hmm. Instead of just hopping on your phone or checking your emails, but we'll get to your self-care habits in just a moment. So what is the best advice that you've ever been given? That still holds true today. Yeah. Uh, the best part, it's it's the best because it allows you to look at it through so many different lenses. It is simply, if I repeated today a thousand times, would I be further or closer to my goal? And it just allows you to look at it through, it's not one day that makes all the difference, but it's also one hiccup that doesn't make you go backwards. It's a cumulative mm. over th- a thousand days or whatever time frame you'd like to look at. So it forces you to look more long-term and I just really like it. Mm. And who, do you remember who gave you that advice? Um, I it? actually think it was one of my, one of my earlier business coaches, uh, Taylor Welsh. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and uh, what is the most influential book that you've read so far? Or ever? Not quite sure. Um, One that I really enjoyed recently was The Motive. Uh, If you're a business owner or CEO, I think it was fantastic. Really around, you know, hopefully from today, you've got an awareness of my 
um, ability or my focus on switching how you think about things then changes your response. And that was a really good book to completely just rethink about a role being a reward and it more being a responsibility. And I think it was a really cool way to reshift that. Mm, I love that. The motive. Nice. Um, So what are your top three non-negotiable self-care habits that you do every day? Every day. Um, There's so many like nice to haves, but the three non-negotiables would simply be hit the water target, hit the protein target and go for a walk. (laughs) Nice. Nature walk. Ollie, it's, it's been on everyone's list or walk. Everyone's list, all my guests. Well, that's exactly where I've optimized where I live. I've got a mountain bike park on my left. I've got a a a big northern trail on my on my right. So, um, yeah, there's a there's a that's where I live for that reason. Yeah, exactly. So beautiful New Zealand. I'd love to go back. And um, yes, is there anything that sort of you want to wrap up with or summarize? Maybe something that we sort of missed or didn't touch upon. Um, You're more than welcome to share. And, no, uh, I think we um, we covered a lot of ground. I hope that helped. Uh, if you were really listening to this, I'm sure you've got some action steps in place. If you don't have some action place uh, action steps in place, re-listen to it because they were there, <laughs> they were there. Um, if you're looking to build this into some next steps for you, and you like the idea of the simple habits, we really leaned on that today. Um, I think a really nice place to kind of go to from there would be simply our five day challenge. Uh, we've got a free five day challenge that we have both male and female. We keep them separate simply because there's, as we talked about a lot today, those hormonal changes are really going to navigate. And I think mm. worth navigating uh, initially. Um, and you can just find those on our website. So bodyreset.online, you can sign up for free, go through that five days. And it's very much in the same thing. Simple, sustainable habits that you can do forever. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. So um, we can find you on Instagram, right? As- yeah. Yeah. We're uh, podcast under Body Reset uh, on Instagram under Ollie Wood. And um, yeah, Body Reset as our website. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your amazing system, your experience with my community and beyond. I so appreciate you and love the work that you're doing. It really resonates with my thinking and how, how, how I'm trying to also teach my clients how to live a healthy and happy life. Thank you. I really enjoyed your questions. Really enjoyed your energy. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking part of your day and sharing it with me by listening to this amazing podcast episode. I would also like to thank our sponsors, St. Lucian Seamoss. Check them out and get some awesome Seamoss at www.stlucianseamoss.co. If you enjoyed this podcast and it was helpful, please share it with your loved ones or a friend and check out savoyaselfcare.com for more amazing wellness tips. Please also leave us a rating now on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and send it to info at SavoyaSelfCare.com. We will reply with a gift as a grateful thank you. If you want to upgrade your healthy living and take it to the next level, be sure to join us next week. And remember, self-care is not selfish, it's self-love. Ciao for now.